Scripture first is from Isaiah, the 40th chapter, verse 3. A voice of one calling out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then these words of Jesus in Luke, the 16th chapter, verse 8. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. The story is told years ago of the great comedian W.C. Fields, who was in the hospital. And a friend came to visit him, and when he was in the hospital, he found him reading a Bible. And so he said to W.C. Fields, what are you looking for? And he answered, loopholes. I'm looking for loopholes. I have been in a number of groups. I have led a number of groups from time to time looking for loopholes in the Scripture. I remember one time discussing the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said not to call anyone a fool. And we concluded, but you could probably still call him an idiot. I remember one one men's group, and they were talking about Jesus' um, command not only to not commit adultery, but not to lust. And one of the guys came up with the definition, well, if you don't look at a person of the opposite sex, for more than three seconds in a row, then you're not lusting, almost as if it was you know, a piece of bread that hit the floor and you have the three-second rule. I've been in so many groups, and I've had so many questions asked of me as a pastor, that really the intent is more like, what's the minimum I can do and not be in opposition to the Bible, rather than how do I completely and fully obey what the Bible is saying? Now, there was a group in the desert who got to the desert because their desire was to fully and completely obey the Word of God. They were a group of priests. They were called Essenes. And they read in the prophet Isaiah that it said to go out into the wilderness and prepare a way for the Lord. In the desert, make straight the highway for our God. So they got up and they moved to the desert. And I don't mean Palm Springs. Fred, can you show us a picture of where they lived in the desert? This is the area around Qumran. These are people who could have afforded to live in Palm Springs. The Essenes were, according to many scholars, among the wealthiest, say, 3 to 5% of the people alive in Jesus' day in Israel. But they chose to forsake civilization and go way out here to the barren wilderness right by the edge of the Dead Sea, which is aptly named. And they gave it all up. Why did they do that? Why did they do that? Well, there are a number of answers. The first one is because they loved God. And the second answer is because they, because they loved God's Word. And if God's Word said, go out in the wilderness and prepare a way, they were going to do it. But the third answer intrigues me most. Many scholars, in looking at the writings that were later discovered as the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1948, writings of the Essenes, note their belief that if they could just perfectly obey God's law, if they could get it down and keep it, they believed that God would send the Messiah to rescue Israel. And so because of their deep desire to see Israel rescued and to see the Messiah come, they devoted their lives basically to doing two things. One was learning the scripture. If you were not born an Essene and born into that priesthood, you could convert and join in. You were baptized and then for six months, you were initiated into an intense study of the scriptures, uh, especially the first five books, the Torah, so you could obey them completely. 
Then they also spent their time copying over scriptures. They had a room we called a scriptorium where people would look at scrolls and copy them over exactly to multiply and preserve the word of God. When the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in these caves in 1948, um, experts are divided as to what they are. They could be the scrolls that were just copied over and were placed in caves to be hidden from the Romans who were marching through. Um, or others believe those were the old scrolls that they were copying from. And they no longer used them in their worship, and so they stashed them there in jars in the cave. Hard to know, could be both. But they gave us the Dead Sea Scrolls. They gave us these copies of the Scripture because they were so committed to keeping and living out God's Word. Now what's interesting is this. It's not unanimous, and please understand that, but a lot of scholars see many ties between this Essenes, these people living out, in the desert, by the way, they also lived uh, uh, near the Jericho Road, um, they, which is a bit of a desert area. They also lived in a small community in Egypt and a couple communities in Jerusalem, and apparently they would be interchanged to go between these communities. Uh, but they, their great desire was to please God and to live God according to God's world and word. And people see ties between them and Jesus. First of all, they agreed on a number of practices. Jesus told us to go out in the world and baptize, and the Essenes baptized. Uh, Jesus uh, told us to go out and convert people. Uh, Not everyone in the movement among the different uh, sects of Judaism was converting others, but the Essenes were out there converting. They also believed in a special messianic meal that would be a foretaste, they said, of heaven. And so they had very special communal meals. Uh, Many see ties between that and the way Jesus celebrated the Last Supper. There are also some theological uh, commonalities between uh, Jesus and the Essenes. They were about the only two folks who talked about angels. Uh, In much of Judaism, there wasn't much belief or expectations about the work of angels in the world. But the Essenes truly believed that God's angels were at work, and Jesus seemed to reflect that. A number of scriptural interpretations they seem to share together. In fact, before Jesus was born, one Essene priest went into the temple where they were money changing and they were selling animals for the sacrifice. He turned over an animal crate. Uh, He stood on top of it and yelled out to the crowd, My father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer and you have turned it into a den of thieves. This before Jesus was ever born. And then Jesus comes and says the same thing. Also, a final um, commonality that that, uh, is very curious is that the priests of the Essenes considered that they were descended from a very strange Old Testament uh, figure named Melchizedek. When the book of Hebrews writes about Jesus uh, many years after his death, it compares Jesus to the priest Melchizedek. So many interesting ties between Jesus and the Essenes. And in fact, some say they even go back to Jesus' birth. Many believe that Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, was an Essene and that John the Baptist was an Essene. And that there was an Essene community, not only two in Jerusalem, but one in Egypt. And so when Joseph and Mary and Jesus have to run for their lives, where do they go? They go to Egypt. And some believe they stayed with relatives of John the Baptist or relatives of Zechariah. Hard to know, but there are a lot of ties. And then, and then uh, very interesting to me is when you come to the Last Supper, 
You know, Jerusalem is a, is a busy place at Passover and people going everywhere. And Jesus says to disciples, now go into Jerusalem and when you see a man carrying water, follow him and you'll find where the upper room is. Well, you might say, well, how are you going to do that out of so many people? Well, here's the deal. Carrying water has always in the ancient Near East been women's work, strictly women's work. The only men known in the country to carry water were Essenes. Because Essenes, when they were carrying out their duties, whether it be in Jerusalem or Qumran, thought they were acting as priests, and so women could not be at the time involved in priestly work. So their wives had to stay home or stay somewhere else. So in order to eat and drink, they had to do what was often the women's work of the day. Only an Essene man would carry a bucket of water. And so they followed him, and it's likely that the upper room is actually an Essene room um, it's certainly located in what many people agree is the Essene quarter of Jerusalem in the ancient world. So what? There are a lot of ties between Jesus and the Essenes. Their great desire was to obey God's word so the Messiah would come. And when the Messiah came, he acted a lot like them. When the Messiah came, he went and came to them. John the Baptist was baptizing uh, at the Jordan River not far from the wilderness area where you would find Essenes. So it is not surprising that the people who thought if they could just obey, the Messiah would come. When he did come, he showed up first in their neck of the woods. Why do I tell you this? Because in our last week in the, in the, in the desert, I think there's an important lesson, which is, if you want to prepare the way for Jesus in your life, and if you want to prepare the way for Jesus in the life of others, the way you start it is by trying to follow and live by God's word. That was the Essene formula. Worked well enough that God sent the Messiah to them. It might just work for us as well. If we will know and live the scriptures, we prepare a way for Jesus in our life and then for others when they see us. Uh, you may have seen the insert today. One of the things I hope to do for a hundredth year is get as many of you as possible in a small group to read through the Bible in what's called the story. It's 31 chapters, so it's a complete narrative. Leaves out a lot of the Bible text uh, so that the story reads chronologically. But that way you can know God's Word. Now, that's not the end of the story. Uh, the Essenes eventually phased out of existence. And scholars believe, after the Romans came through, that those who still lived actually became followers of the Messiah Jesus. Now, it wasn't all wonderful. There is this one portion of the New Testament that um, some scholars point to. And here's the background. The Essenes' great desire, they move out in the desert, is to obey God's word. And they hope, as priests, never to be defiled you know, by somebody and their sinfulness and their bad habits or by a leper or by somebody who's bleeding. They, they try to avoid all that. They want to keep to their own ritual purity. They are so much purer than other people that their nickname for themselves is Sons of Light. There the world is darkness, but they're light. And maybe they were. But here's what Jesus says. One day he's talking about money in Luke 16. He said, you know, the people, or sons, of this world are a lot more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people, or sons, of light. Jesus may have been, for the only time we can find in Scripture, leveling a criticism at the Essenes because they wanted to be out there in the desert in their own little world. 
they didn't understand that it's not enough to obey God's Word. But you have to obey God's Word in the world. The goal of a Christian is not to keep away from those who are sinning. The goal of a Christian, and we're all sinners, is to be out there with the other sinners. Loving them. Reaching out to them. Living the Scriptures in front of them. The Essenes had missed it. They had withdrawn from the world when the mission of the kingdom of God is to get involved in the world. And Jesus rightly saw this. If you ever look at the map of the ancient world and you find Israel, you find that it is on the crossroads between Egypt and Assyria, two of the major powers of the time. God had put God's people right there smack in the middle of the world to to reach as many as possible. And yet these guys went miles and miles the other way out to the desert. It's interesting to me that while the priests tried to avoid lepers, avoid sinners, avoid those who are bleeding, those are the very people that Jesus sought out. And the interesting thing was, when Jesus touched the sinner, Jesus didn't start sinning. When Jesus touched the leper, Jesus didn't get leprosy. When Jesus met the bleeding... He didn't start bleeding. Instead of him getting infected with what they had, they got infected with the love and the peace that he had. It was a reverse infection, if you will. Our job is to live the Word of God out in the world so that everyone who comes into contact with us doesn't become worse. They become better.